This is my first interaction with Ernie and understanding the historian, the scholar, the genius of Ernie Adams. Ernie Adams, I don't even know how to describe him. We used to see this guy walking around. He had these glasses, this mustache. Always talking to Belichick in private. They were always like kind of whispering. Ernie Adams being at the center of Spygate made perfect sense to me. He's a football savant. Ernie Adams is a genius. There's not one detail that Ernie Adams would not know about. Just so you know, on this whole video thing, the video thing? The Jets game in 2007. Oh. Okay. I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to reopen it. Well, we have to talk it a little Yeah, right. But just, just, you know, I mean, this is, you, you're not going to, I'm not, like, could I tell you stories? Yes. Am I going to, no, I got some, I, I, this is, I, it's going to the grave with me a little bit. Welcome, 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 welcome. And are you ready for some football? As Best of Upper here presents Dissecting the Dynasty. I'm going to call this one Second Down. Uh, my name's Ian. My name's Ryan. And I'm Hermes. Yeah, I'm calling Second Down because it's the second of five weeks. Second of five weeks we're doing this here. So uh, there we are. Oh, my word. Why? The minute I start recording, I get messages from people from the works, uh, you know, the Microsoft teams from work. And I'm like, all night long. It's been fine. <laughs> but no, at, 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 for me, 940 at night. Yes, I absolutely want you to contact me with a one word clear, uh, change of a typo you made. I do not need that. <laughs> <laughs> I do not need that. Uh, but thanks for checking in here at uh, Best Film Ever as we uh, continue on our uh, pathway towards, uh, as we dissect, literally, the dynasty as presented by Apple TV, uh, documenting the New England Patriots dynasty run of the early 21st century. Um, other things we uh, released this week is we released uh, Her. We did a see it or skip it on Maestro. And we're going to see it or skip it on American Fiction coming up before we do an Oscar preview show. There's so much BFE content coming out this week. I will miss sleep. Uh, that being said, though, thanks a lot for checking in and tuning out. I want to say this. We had some really nice feedback on the first episode. So thanks to everybody who chipped in. Ryan Kukets is 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 a thing. <laughs> Our number one draft pick, the the the, the well, maybe not number one, right? Because that would be big expectations. I think he's the fourth rounder, who's just sort of is he Tom Brady? Is that who he is? Number one ninety nine. <laughs> one ninety nine. <laughs> number one ninety nine. He came up to me before we recorded, and he said to me, "I want you to know this is the best decision, best film ever has ever made." And so I'm like, "All right, from 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 your lips to God's ears, let's see how it goes." So. <laughs> Uh, as we go into um, episode, we're going to start with, uh, we're going to do both episodes that were released this, this past week. So we're going to start with episode three, Borrowed Time. So last we saw, Tom Brady has come through the snowball. The tuck rule has saved our coll- well, our collective bacon. Maybe not so much Hermes, but for Patriots fans like myself and Ryan, absolutely. And uh, and here we go. We we're, were in Pittsburgh for the AFC Championship game. I don't remember this game at all, right? I remember a little bit. Yeah? I remember the aftermath more people being like, Pletso's still that guy. See, I don't remember this. I don't remember this at all. So back to Pittsburgh. It's chippy before we even get started. And we get asked, who are the Patriots? 
a very good football team or a team that's living on borrowed time. And we're 30 seconds in and Brady is hit low. 30 seconds into the episode and Brady is hit low. And I think that's a hit that's outlawed now. Am I wrong? That was my thought too when I first saw it. Yeah, I think that's, I think because of situations like this, I think it's also a similar hit that knocks Brady out for the year in a few seasons to come. Yeah. yeah exactly. uh, I think because of that, this is why this hit, I believe this hit's illegal now. I don't think you can go this low on a quarterback. And he'd been hit low, he said, a few times that game. And his ankle was sore. But that's what it was. And we cut to Robert Kraft in the owner's box. And he's upset. But what I want to talk about isn't his emotions. What is it with Robert Kraft and old men in general with these shirts that are like blue for the shirt and a pure white collar? Can someone walk me through this? What's appealing about this? I have no idea, but I know that's Kraft's signature shirt. It is. It is. This, uh, we, we, had a, we had a news anchor in Canada called Lloyd Robertson who'd break this out every now and then. And I'm like, that is an ugly look. Why would you want to do this? Just a thought. Um, Brady gets pulled for drew bledsoe and i'll tell you this they got a fantastic shot i don't know where they got it from but it's panning from drew's coming on and then we catch tom coming off they pass like two ships in the night and the camera goes back the way it came following tom thought it was a brilliant shot and drew's painting himself as the as the brady type underdog here he's like well i got thrown in and i'm like all year long you've been sort of saying you're the proven hand and then you get chucked in and we're trying to pivot on this narrative and um there's a shot of him scrambling to the right and he gets hit big it looks just like the hit that takes him out from from our first episode we did and drew ends up leading them to victory do you remember what kind of a game he had though ryan no just from like what they the clips they showed in this episode he went 10 for 21 for 102 yards and a touchdown this documentary paints it like drew was the man yeah that's not very impressive numbers 10 for 21 for 102 yards and a touchdown in comparison tom went 12 for 18 for 115 yards nada no touchdowns no picks but so and you know they asked drew how's it going and he says it's all the emotions and i can't blame drew bledsoe here today uh for for the thing like, like this guy's been through everything this year did anybody else feel for drew or what was your uh are, are you pulling for this guy i mean of course we have hindsight so we know how it's going to end up for him so are, does that help us feel sympathetic for drew i don't know no i was always happy you know this is like his last ride with the patriots because he got this one game in and he did what he's supposed to do I mean, for Belichick, it's pretty good having a backup quarterback, a $100 million quarterback on your bench to come in when yep. your quarterback's injured. Hermes, any thoughts? I, I can't really help but feel bad for, for Drew, but I mean, I also, I mean, there's a reason that Brady continued in. I mean, I, I, couldn't, dis- I couldn't disagree with the logic. I just, but yeah, like my sympathy, my heart goes out for the guy who's like, this is his game and he can't play it anymore. But outside of that, it's like, yeah, this is the game though. <laughs> yeah. Um, Robert Kraft tells us, holy moly. He thought I'm going to the Super Bowl," And my note says, yes, like you did in 1997. <laughs> this is not the first time. And he goes, Oh, 
I've dreamt of going to the Super Bowl well before I owned the team. I said, well, that was good because you went there in 1997. You've had that dream fulfilled. And we cut to 1971, Foxborough Stadium being built. And young man Kraft wanted season's tickets so he could go and spend time with his with his boys, which is a great story. But the Patriots are a terrible football team. And this is the legacy of the Patriots that was around when I first started watching. These guys, when little, you know, nine-year-old, ten-year-old me was like, England is like New England, so this is my team. And then somewhere I opened an encyclopedia or something and found out they are like the worst team in the history of the NFL at this point. Just from a sort of, you know, how success been over the course of your franchise. They are dreadful. So uh, Kraft figures out, he goes, I want to own this team one day, but he's got a genius idea. He goes, I can't really afford the team. I can afford the parking lot. And if I can afford the parking lot, I'm actually going to have a much greater revenue stream. And it's going to be a giant pain in the ass for anybody who wants to buy the team later on. And it works. I did not know this was the story of how Robert Kraft gets the team. Ryan, were you familiar with this sort of little anecdote? Yeah, I am. Uh, it's actually even a funnier story because when he buys the stadium, the whole reason he buys the stadium is due to Michael Jackson. Uh, Michael Jackson was going on the victory tour, and the Sullivan's who owned the team financed that tour. The tour didn't really happen, uh, and he had used the stadium as collateral. He had to sell the stadium. That's how Kraft ended up with the stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Shimone, indeed. Jeez, that's <laughs> yeah. insane. Well, I guess kind of thank you, Michael. I don't know. Jeez, what a – it depends how much you feel. Robert, the consensus seemed to be that Robert Kraft's ownership does turn the tide a bit. He is bringing in more money to the team than the previous ownership did. He's willing right. to spend on players. And then after the, the Sullivans owned it, they had sold the team, but Kraft already owned the stadium. Yes. And I think they were going to move to St. Louis. Uh, but with Kraft owning the stadium, there was something wrong that they couldn't go, so – kind of got it by default that's amazing that makes a lot of sense so and then there's a, there's a few there's a few kind of uh, big names here who show up and i'm like what i was not expecting bill parcells to sit down on a stool was anybody else nope because <laughs> i kind of thought they'd kind of yada yada over the parcells era but yeah, i think you mentioned you have much last episode didn't even mention that first super bowl yeah so he he's my first Pat's head coach. He's the guy in charge when 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 I when I start watching football. And we get some idea of history and of the culture shift and a truly terrible tie I've got in my notes that Bill Parcells was wearing. I watched this a few days, like Friday, so it's been a bit. But uh and I remember I don't remember this. Sorry, 1997, we cut to a Super Bowl rally and we get the idea told to us that Robert Kraft and Bill Parcells are clashing. And Parcells lost a power struggle, and it was over the draft. They wouldn't let him draft who he wants to draft. And there's something to be said that probably the coach needs to have control over who you're picking. Right. Because that's, you know, if you're going to build your whole defense around a specific formation or a specific scheme, you need to make sure you're picking players who are going to complement that concept Um and not get in the way with the guy picking the players isn't necessarily jiving with the vision for the team. So I think ideologically, I'm with I'm with Parcells here. Yeah, me too. Okay. 
Um, the Super Bowl, though, is overshadowed because news leaks that Parcells is going to leave a team and going to go to the Jets. There's no way this would be allowed now, right? This would be yeah, tampering, yeah. surely. Yeah. I, I just thought it was bad on Parcells, too, because any normal good coach would go to the media and be like, hey, I'm going to the page right now. That's all we're focusing on is this game. Don't even pick up the phone till after the yeah. Super Bowl to the Jets. Like, yeah. like none of this should have happened. Yeah. Um, the Super Bowl is overshadowed by Parcells. Uh, uh, Robert Kraft feels that Parcells didn't always put team first. And if you listen to Robert Kraft's victory speech from the AFC Championship game for about 10 minutes earlier in this episode, he says, hey, we've kindly got, we're a team first organization. I just thought that was him saying not no more Brady Bledsoe talk. It's a team first. I think he's taking a shot at Parcells here. Oh, for sure he is. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was like, wow. I kind of respect the guy who wins the title game and goes, I'm going to throw some, even though I think he's wrong, I'm going to throw some shade. I'm going to use my platform here. Fantastic. And now we cut the 2002 Super Bowl week. Again, it's in Louisiana, the same place that 1997's was. And uh, Belichick is nowhere near as truculent with the media as he would develop to be. Um. And so uh, we talk about the team first mentality. If they go, if you go team first, you will win. That's the message. And they even move hotels to get out of the downtown core because they felt it was too much of a distraction. And then we get the story of Lawyer Malloy. Hermes, <laughs> do, do you want to help me out? What, what, do, what do you recall about, about the story? Uh, zero. As as you guys are talking, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like – uh, realizing how little stats and like you know specifics I remember of the game in general, or spe- you know all these games specifically, and even the documentary does a good job of reminding me about that. Where I'm just like, gosh, I was so I was so um, shallow, I guess, when it came to it because it was just my connection to playing. And now that it's not, you guys are just throwing out all these stats. I'm like, I. I I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up here. Well, no, but uh, this was more about the story of so lawyer Malloy comes to Bill Belichick. They do their first real big team meeting Super Bowl week. And lawyer Malloy comes in with a problem about his hotel. He says, my hotel room's not big enough. So what does Belichick do? I would totally do this. This is absolutely what I would do. Fine. You can have my room there. You can't complain now. I'm taking the crappy room. You've got the best room in the place. No one else can complain because it's team first. Because, hey, the coach, you see what room he's in? No one can complain because everyone's got a better go go than he does. I think this is an absolutely brilliant leadership tactic. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, again, now I'm trying to, like, recount the episode again. Like, same as last week. I mushed them together because I watched them back to back. And I I watched mine on, like, Friday when it came out last Friday. Yeah, I got up Friday morning. I was surprised it was up Friday morning for me in the UK. I thought it might be a later release time um, with the time yeah, I difference. Had it, I, had it Thursday, I had it on Thursday night here. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, that's why. Yeah, you were texting him about it, weren't you? Or messaging Yeah, him. Yeah, you were first one because you messaged yeah. you, 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 you were getting angry about it, you said. So there we are. <laughs> so Tony Kornheiser. Man, Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> I don't know who he pissed off at Apple TV, but they are taking delight in showing every time he calls it wrong. <laughs> direct quote as he's hyping up the super bowl you can't find anybody to even say new england will win the game every guy you talk to just says how many will the rams win by this is dead dull boring done <laughs> maybe it's just again that audience thing like you're talking about 
we're, we're so audience superiority. Yeah, we're so superior now, Ian. Uh, do, do, do either one of you guys listen to Pardon or watch Pardon the Interruption on a regular basis? Yeah, I watched it probably for like five years straight in like the mid-2000s. The last decade, Tony kind of goes, okay, I'm never betting against Tom Brady again. And he doesn't. For his last 10 years of Brady's career, Tony always goes, I will never bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm guessing because there's too many of these clips floating around. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then out of all the pundits weighing in, who I was not expecting to weigh in was the edge from you two, given his viewpoint on this. My fandoms began to intersect. This is the biggest Super Bowl to me, personally, I think. Um, do you guys like you two? I imagine Hermes is not a U2 fan. Whoa, that's an assumption. Come on. That's why I said I assume Hermes is not a U2 fan. <laughs> a big assumption. Come on. That's, I thought you knew me better than that, Ian. I, do you like, I remember you like the Beatles. So do you like you 2 I wouldn't say they're at the top. They're certainly not at the bottom, though. I mean, okay. I'd say you're not. Top. So you're. you're, you're Oh, so you're okay. So you're, you're not you're not a U two hater because U two gets a lot of hate, man. It, it's really hard to to sort of stump for U two because people have an issue with the fact that these rock. Why can't you just be a rock star and blow stuff up like Nickelback? Why do you got to be talking about hungry kids in Africa? I just want to. Yeah, I get you want to do escapism, but I guess Bono got bored after fifteen years and was like, "Can we talk about you know helping the world a bit?" But people really don't like that. Whatever. I think that's their prerogative. That's they what they want to do. But I don't know, Ryan. Do you hate U two? <laughs> no, I'm very indifferent about them. Oh, really? Uh, I, I'm still not a fan that they put that album on all of our phones years ago. But <laughs> oh, people keep bringing that up, and I, I, I think part of that's because because I didn't mind. I was a YouTube fan, but it, it wasn't a, it wasn't their best album. I'll say that much. Um, I thought it was a brilliant marketing ploy, but I think with data rates being what they are over in uh, in North America, maybe I understand people getting a bit a bit a bit grumpier, or maybe there's not a space for it. Because I, I always thought if someone could just put like a CD through my through my mail slot here, I'd be like, "Cool, free music." <laughs> but the ones on your phone, like, ah, oh, this is this is an invasion. <laughs> I guess it kind of is. I don't know. I don't know if iOS download updated and had here is a bunch of free stuff. I'd probably go, "Hey, it's okay." But I guess there's one of those things. If you didn't like YouTube, this was everything you hate about YouTube shoved in your face. And if you love YouTube, it's everything you love about YouTube. Going, "Hey," so. Such as um, so the edge says we are not here to add to that controversy, but I think it must be said that Bledsoe has a superior long pass, and I think Brady's sore ankle's a bit of a problem. I've had one myself, and then Bono comes on and says, "Hey, we're here to bring peace. We're not here to cause problems." <laughs> so there we are. I love that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So the question is, who is the quarterback? And again, this could be again for the second straight time a story that could be bigger than the Super Bowl. Could be the because everybody thinks the Rams are winning, so there is no other story. This is the story. And we found out that Brady started every one of New England's 12 regular season wins. But, of course, Bledsoe's the one who led them to victory with his stellar 10-for-21 performance in the AFC Championship game. I would say, for all the, the man, the Patriots are an underdog in the snowball. They went 12-4. and four. Can I just, They went 12-4. and four. But they were also the loser franchise for Brady went eleven years. and one. <laughs> eleven and one in the regular season. Nah, I know. Uh Bledsoe then gets called up to Belichick's room and told that it's gonna be Tom this week. And Drew says, 
it's a better pill to swallow. But I will say Drew is much better in the archival footage here than he was at the start of the year when he gets pulled. I think he's he's because to make this all about him is just being an ass to your teammates, isn't it? Right. Especially on the biggest stage, the biggest stage of them all. Like all you can do here now is just sort of, I guess, politic for your next job. I think at this point you go, Tom's their guy. Yeah. And I think too, it goes back to the parcels. Like you can make it about you and be a distraction or just yeah. swallow that pill and move on. And so uh, Brady says, looking back, I'm very happy with all the decisions that coach Belichick made. I guess you would be, I guess you would be. <laughs> um, Teddy Bruski mentions how impressed he was with Drew Bledsoe though. And he says, everything that Bill Belichick preached, Drew Bledsoe does. And he says, he thinks that's when the Patriot way because the Patriot way is is a, is a an ethos that kind of permeates through the NFL. You know, players come and they go, hey, we know in New England it's the Patriot way. And it seems like this is the birth of the Patriot way mindset, according to, to, to Teddy Bruschi anyway. So, um, oh, man, I had a note. And obviously, I was trying to make a joke of some sort. I've got Super Bowl 36. They say 36. Why? I don't know what that means. Anyway, Teddy Bruschi tells us about the fantasy of having your name called out and running onto the field. And we see this as each Ram runs by and get in their love. We see Marshall Falk. We see, um, oh, I forget who the receiver was who runs by. But we see, you know, big players as they get their moment. And then the Patriots instead choose, and this has become legendary, we're going to run out as a team instead. And the announcer has to go, by their own request, introduces a team the new england patriots and even as they run out i don't know if anybody noticed tom brady's nowhere near the front of that group that group it's all the defensive players at the front which i thought was i think think it's a classy move yeah it wouldn't remain that way but at least at this point it is that sorry hermes think i cut you off buddy no 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 um no a lot of coaches will say defense wins team uh, wins games like you hear that so often from the player side. And we did hear it earlier in the season when when, when Tom goes, sorry, when, when Drew goes down, you know, Belichick's like, all right, we're going to be a defense first sort of team. And, you know, we just hope that, you know, the quarterbacks doesn't give the ball up. He just needs to be a game manager. We'll run it. We'll have our defense and just hope it goes okay from there. So, yeah, I like that. And then out of nowhere, shot through the heart, John Bon Jovi. <laughs> says that's my team i didn't know i didn't know bon jovi was a big uh was a big patriots fan isn't he a jersey boy he is but he is he's always been a big patriots fan he's usually in the box with crafts a lot during the regular season actually now that you say that i've seen him there you're right yeah in one of his albums on his on the insert he thanked bill belichick i think it was the year after the super bowl Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and the same thing. Bill Belichick is a huge Bon Jovi. Fan. Oh, is he? Okay. Yeah. I have a hard time seeing Bill Belichick at any concert <laughs> having a good time. Maybe he wears the hoodie. <laughs> Before kickoff, we're starting, and this is my first ever Super Bowl party. So, Mine too. Oh, really? Okay. So I, yeah. lived in, I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I did, I did for a year, 99, 2000, and then I went back just to visit some friends for a week. That's, I flew down from, from Canada, hanging out with friends for the week, and it happens to be Super Bowl week. So I get invited to my first American Super Bowl party, and they go all out, and I am the only Patriots fan in the room. <laughs> and there's like 25 people there because these are friends who I knew from church, and Kurt Warner was a very outspoken Christian. 
And so Kurt Warner became, and the Rams became God's team. And so I was the one guy, you know, rooting for the devil, I guess, which is what, at least if you believe what the second episode of this has to say. And so I was the one guy who was going for the underdog, godless New England Patriots. (laughs) Oh, man, I remember beer. I had my first beer brought that night. I had a. Popcorn laced with chocolate all over it, a little chocolate. Syrup. Oh, the food. I was just, it was everything that you think about the TV commercials tell you a Super Bowl party is going to be. This was. So, yeah. Isn't it better, though, as well, to be that underdog? I mean, it's so much worse if you're the slotted to win, right? There's two things I love in life <laughs> being the underdog and being the villain. I love being the only person cheering for a team in a room full of because really there's nothing to go by because if if we lose okay so what I was the only one cheering you know what I mean how bad can it be but if I but 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 if we win I can be as smug as I want because there's only one of me and there's like 24 of them so uh, that's always been I, I I mean I think Hermes you know agitator to agitator I think we can, we we can definitely appreciate this <laughs> you know I don't know what you're talking about well I don't know I, I look forward to you using that term on your podcast next week but <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I tweeted back at you for plagiarism no all. you did God bless you God bless you <laughs> but no agitator to agitator I was uh, I, I, I I do enjoy that I, I I take great delight in ruffling feathers. Um, I remember once as a slight aside I'll get back to it my school does this silly or my old school does this silly uh, almost like an X Factor parody competition where um, the students come out and they sing in foreign languages these little songs they've written and we, and we I was asked to be on the panel where we would grade them from 1 to 10 kind of X Factor style or American Idol style or things like that with, with, with sort of numbers and I went, well, who's, you know, who's doing the villain role? They went, oh, so-and-so's doing the villain role. I went, all right, I'll be the guy who says, you're what this competition's all about. I'll be that guy, I suppose. Yeah, it lasted like two acts, and then I was just out. I was like, I can't help myself. I have to be the villain. It's just within my nature. I enjoy, I live to be booed. I really enjoy this. You know what I mean? Uh, it's 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 got to be the thing. Um, the odds of being the hero are only about fifty percent. The odds of being the villain, I can make that a hundred percent. I really really can. So that was my enjoyment. Tell me about your Super Bowl party a little bit, uh, Ryan. Oh yeah. So again, I was like twelve at the time, but. It's the first party I went, uh, Super Bowl party I went to was uh, one of my dad's friends and like his friends and family. Uh, I do remember it, you guys. You just said that when the Patriots got introduced as a team, I remember there was a woman there, mad like like oh my god, they didn't introduce them individually. Like they're biased against the Patriots. And then I think later after the first commercial, they're like, oh, the Patriots came out as one. They, that's yeah, what they want. you heard that was right. by design because yeah, yeah. It, it would be read as oh, you're just you're giving them you're not even giving them any respect. Yeah. <laughs> Because that was the idea, was I think the general consensus was exactly what Tony Kornheiser was saying. Like, this is the greatest show on turf. Yeah. They're playing. Like, this is, this is, this God's team. This is Kurt Warner. This is Marshall Falk. This is just, they, they outstar New England on every level except for the defense. <laughs> and so, um, Mike Martz, the head coach of the Rams, says, America loves an underdog. And the Patriots won't have that title for long, so we're going to enjoy it while we have it. <laughs> and he said, and he looks around, and there's all this red, white, and blue around the sides. And he says, it pissed him off. And then we hear the voice of John Madden 
anybody old enough to, to to weigh in on John Madden as a commentator and not just the name of a video game? <laughs> this is my first game I remember actually Madden commentating. I thought this whole game, I think him was the other announcer, Pat Summerall or something. Oh, I love me some old school Pat Summerall. Uh, I, 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 I love you, Pat. You look back at this game and the announce, like, they just don't bring any energy. Like, uh, uh, there was no energy, like, John, bad takes. <laughs> John Madden's a parody of his old self here. Like, John Madden yeah. sucks in this game. <laughs> like, even before we get to the parts at the end of the game where I, I remember specific calls he's made in this game. Yay, all these years later. Word for word, I knew exactly what he was saying. But I'm just like, John Madden is mailing it in. So there we go. Um, Ty Law says the Rams were skilled, but they weren't tough. And he said the Patriots' perspective is they were tired of hearing about the track team. And um, Richard Seymour shows up and says, hey, we're going to bully the Rams. That's our plan. And Ty Law runs back a pick six, says it was one of the easiest he's ever had. And I'll say this about Ty Law. Ty Law looks like he can still go now. <laughs> he does. Do you want to guess how old he is? 47. He's uh, 50. Hermes? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> 50. <laughs> and I was like, dude looks, dude looks, I mean, I'm, I'm He's only six years older than me, but I'm like, oh, dude looks younger than me. Yeah, he looks younger than me. It looks younger by, than, than, than most people. Like, he, he looks like he could show up, and I wouldn't kick him off the field. I'd be like, yeah, you look like you belong here. Um, Mart says that Bill Belichick was smart. He had them holding the entire game. And maybe this is the first time we get the Bill Belichick will do anything to win narrative start to get established. Um, I don't know. I thought maybe he was a bit bitter in this. Because if he's doing it and you noticed it, then why aren't you doing it too? Yeah, like you said, he didn't say anything about it. But why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you point it out to the refs? Like, hey, or why don't you tell your guys to do the exact same thing? If they're exactly. not calling it, then do it. Like in hockey, if you see that, like you know, that you know, they're not calling cross checking or something like that, you don't sit there and take it all game long. <laughs> you you just return fire. Exactly. Yeah. Madden asks, who would have thought the team exploding on offense would be the New England Patriots? At this point, they had scored one touchdown on offense. <laughs> the defense had scored seven points, but Madden's thinking 14 points. That's a, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's living off reputation at this point. And the sign, there's a sign in the stands that reads, Silence of the Rams. That's funny. That's funny. We are a film podcast. I just appreciate the Silence of the Rams. <laughs> Halftime in the game, Robert Kraft starts thinking to himself. He says, what am I going to say if we win? And there's some footage of you two doing the halftime show. For my money, the greatest Super Bowl halftime show to date. What are your thoughts? <laughs> it was very, very timely. Obviously, they paid tribute to 9-11. Very America-heavy. He so had he had the lining of, of the American flag in his jacket. Oh, it's yeah. clever. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, man. It's the first one since the Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl since, since, since 9-11. As a result, you feel like you got to pay tribute, and they do with that screen of names that looks almost yeah. like a skyscraper itself. And then it sort of folds down and ends, and they go into where the streets have no name. Like They released this performance, this 11-minute set, 
as a, as a B-side on one of their singles. I bought the single just so I could have this performance. Um, it was it was tremendous. And in that room I was, that Super Bowl party, it's weird because for a bunch of people who were church-going people, who that was enough to get them into Kurt Warner, it wasn't enough to get them into U2, who <laughs> were quite famous for their evangelical sort of perspective. And like at the end, they all kind of went, okay, you know what, fair enough, that was really good. And that was the consensus. They went from they no one liked him in the room to everyone went, yeah, fair enough. That was really strong. Yeah. So for me, it's it, it, it's my top all time performance is U two at the Super Bowl in this Super Bowl. But again, it's the Patriots winning. It's U two, all those things. Uh, any other ones that jump to mind? Great Super Bowl halftime performances. <laughs> I I mean, I responded in the group chat to the two of you. I mean, you, I think you phrased it. I'd have to pull it up to remember, so don't quote me, Ian. But I think you said, like, memorable or most memorable or one of your most memorable. Yeah, I think and you I, went, yeah, by the end of this song, Rip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, how was that not memorable? Especially as, like, you know, an eight-year-old kid. I'm not me. sure I saw that one live. <laughs> I think I just heard about it the next day. Yeah, I did not see it live. I had some friends over. We were having a little Super Bowl party of, at my house. And my friends made me play video games during halftime. By the way, we got we got back on the living room. My dad's like, "You just missed Janet Jackson." By the way, like on behalf of the rest of the world, Americans, you got all butthurt over a very tame moment. <laughs> I wouldn't say Americans got butthurt. I would say those that are in charge of being butthurt, aka you know, like TV censorship. Uh, TV censors, TV censorship, um, and like broadcast, uh, what etiquette? Yeah, it's their job or like movie etiquette to be, you know, of that mindset. I don't think a majority, because everybody I talk, especially of my peer group, all remember that. I was like, oh my God, do you re-? like that was the craziest, greatest time, you know, <laughs> the most free moment of America that you could possibly have is, is Janet Jackson. A quote unquote malfunction. Yeah, yeah. The, the birth of a term wardrobe malfunction, which is yeah. used now to describe any time that something legitimately does happen where things are not contained as, as they were designed to be. Sure. But yeah, but <laughs> um, no, a term is used, but it was Justin saying it was an accident. It wasn't supposed to rip off. Like the line is, I'll have you naked by the end of this song. <laughs> like, no, no, you can't. The fact that her, her breast came out. That's a total accident, and the fact that there was a a, a, a brooch or or something over the nipple, that's a, that's just a coincidence. Like, no, this was this wasn't supposed to happen. What a lame excuse. <laughs> She's a better singer, I guess, than actress, right? That's that's what it comes down to. <laughs> better singer, better dancer. Yeah, terrible actress. I, I yeah, and uh, and it's a shame because it kind of it kind of ends Janet Jackson. Yeah, Justin Timberlake's just fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a shame, but it's memorable nonetheless. I do remember yeah. you too, and it was memorable for a different reason. But uh, yeah, that one definitely is top of my list for memorable. Where were you guys on Usher this year? I've only seen a few clips on TikTok, but didn't watch the whole thing. I, I had no interest. I, I think Usher would have been great like 20 years ago. but It, it did feel like, yeah. when they asked him, I went, really? <laughs> Usher? It's like everyone was clamoring for, for Usher to come yeah, back. Yeah. Like a couple of years ago when they had all the rap, hip-hop kind of greats, they had Dre and you had and you had Eminem. I was like, oh, that's cool. Ludacris came out. like, oh, this, 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 this is all right. This year, I was like, Usher. I didn't get excited until I saw Alicia Keys. Then I was like, hey, it's Alicia Keys. That's all right. 
Yeah, no, I was really, I only, I only recognized like two of Usher's songs as well. So, and then Roller Skates, I was like, hey, why not? Everything else is getting in here. Why not? Why not put them on Roller Skates? So, um, I'm trying to think. I mean, they haven't had like a, like a rock band since. I mean, there was a while they were doing rock. They had like, um, the Stones did it and Paul McCartney did it and, uh, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen was, was an excellent halftime show. Excellent halftime show. Uh, they've obviously pivoted away from that towards more, um, I'd say youth-friendly kind of artists, but recently it has been some nostalgia, but they're definitely moving away from rock music towards more of a hip-hop vibe, I think. Which, yeah. oh, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, for me, I'm just very biased with my favorite halftime shows. It's like Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, those are the Super Bowl winner ones. Wow, really? <laughs> Patriots win. How about, yeah, how, about, was... how about J-Lo and Shakira? Were you about that? <laughs> I don't remember that one, to be honest. Oh, man, I, I, I played it for my class over here and went, what do we think about the representation this is suggesting? I said, we can have either opinion you want, but it was these two women wearing very little and these little girls wearing lots and kind of going, if you're successful when you grow up, you could aspire to be this. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know where to go with this. What's, what's, <laughs> what, what's the message here? I present it to you. Discuss. <laughs> So. I mean, I, I, what, I, <laughs> until you said that, Ryan, I was going to say that, you know, maybe there is a specific act that play like is for the Super Bowl or plays well at the Super Bowl and certain ones that just don't. And as someone who's like has seen only a handful of live musician performances, I would say mm-hmm. of the ones I've seen, it maybe supports what my general idea of what a halftime show would be. You know, like I think rock does you know, play to that for that reason. But then you say Katy Perry, and Lady Gaga, and I'm like, I gotta retract that statement. I can't even say it. <laughs> I mean, K- Katy Perry came in on a metallic lion, and Lady Gaga came from like the top of the stadium. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I stand corrected. Stand corrected. Everybody gets something out of their halftime show. <laughs> Indeed, they do. Indeed, they do. Um, Oh, I was going to do something here, and now I've lost it. I'm just going to try and type something. Uh, there we are. I'll add that there. So, ka-chop. Give us a banner. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a banner if it sort of says what I'm talking about there. Uh, let's do this. Uh, where are we at here? We get to the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, we didn't talk about Prince. That was a great one. Prince was, Prince was one that everyone comes back to me with. What about Prince? And the problem with me with Prince is I don't like Prince. So, like, I don't know any of his stuff, and he's up there, and his guitar looked really cool. It was, uh, it was, it was a thing, but yeah, I, I just don't know exactly what was, uh, what was. I think it was just, it was just Purple Rain in the rain. Is it Purple? Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess there was, did it actually rain? Or was it, yeah. just, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that was what, I have a friend who's really into Prince, and she was telling me she thinks it's the greatest of all time, and, uh, um, I don't know. I was I was sitting there going, I hear you, but it's it's I'm just indifferent to it. I think. Um, I don't know. He's he's also really really little, so th- th- there's there, there's that. Um, so the Talking Heads come back and they talk about how it felt like the Rams would come back. And I'll tell you what, when I was watching the game, surrounded by all those people, I was like, we're up, and you, oh, they're going to come back. I know they're going to come back. And I don't know what to do about, uh, you know, it, it was this feeling of dread. And no matter what happens, you're like, this is the way the story is going to end. It must be how uh, it must be how uh, people feel in general. But watching the Patriots all these years, it's definitely how I feel watching the Chiefs 
it seems like every year when they spot their yeah. opponents a 10, 15 point lead. And then, um, you know, it feels like they just give it up after that. Um, I don't know. But sure enough, I watched them march down the field and score and score. I don't know. Do you remember watching this, Ryan? I remember seeing that 10-point lead and going, it doesn't feel like we're going to hang on to this. Maybe I'm just a pessimist. Maybe it's that Patriot luck you talked about, but I went, there's no way this is actually going to happen. I was I was still young and naive, and I was like, I was like, we might actually win the Super Bowl. Like at the time, <laughs> at the time, nine teams ever won. So I was like, this is this is a cool feeling. Like now, we're going to do this. And remember, yeah. I'm the one surrounded by 24, so I feel yeah. like this is going to be taken away from me. Yeah. And there's some sloppy tackling by the Patriots. Like that game-winning touchdown, there's some sloppy tackling by the Patriots. Like, I don't know who it was who catches the ball, but uh, uh, it was Torrey Holt. There, was the, it the, Ricky Prohl, the one to tie it? Yeah, yeah, that's the one, yeah. yeah. And he catches it, and the guy he just runs around a guy. He just sort of like sprawls and tra- – oh, yeah. it, it's, it's some horrendous – for a team that was all about tackling, like, and talking about we're going to bully them, oh, it was a soft touchdown. <laughs> And John Madden comes on and says, well, this is really stupid. You should play for overtime. And it's like a minute and 13 seconds left or something like that. Uh, 90 seconds left. And I remember thinking it then, and I absolutely think so now. It's 90 seconds. You've got the ball. You've got possession of the ball. There's no guarantee in overtime you're going to get possession of the ball because this is old school rules. Like if you, if you kick a field goal in overtime, you're done. That's it. You lose. If, if it's against you. So I'm like, what you do have now is you have a guarantee that you have the ball. There is virtually nothing to lose by having a shot, a safe shot, but by having a shot. So I thought Madden was an idiot then. You know, in my very infancy of my football fandom, I remember going, this guy's a moron. I have his video game. I had the very first John Madden football for the Super Nintendo where you didn't hear his voice. You just saw some text in his face was underneath it. But I was like, you're an idiot, because at least have a go. Shoot your shot, one might say. Um, Ernie that's says... Statement. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, what was that? I said that's a hilarious statement. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's it's the funniest thing. Uh, okay, uh, if, if anybody's catches just for this, I think you need to reestablish that Hermes isn't just being sarcastic to me. <laughs> it is a bit of a, a reference from previous Best Film Ever episodes. I'll just say this. <laughs> Uh, All Liam, the more reason to listen to best film there we go. <laughs> Liam said I got to use it this time. He said he's going to be- bequeath it back to me. So there we are. Um, so Ernie, is it Ernie? What's Ernie's last name again? Ernie? Ernie Adams. Ernie Adams says he was asked by Belichick, and he goes, I don't think the defense has ever stopped in them, which would explain the sloppy tackling we were talking about earlier. You know, so he goes, we should go for it. John Madden says, direct quote, I don't agree with what the Patriots are doing right here. Belichick tells Brady, just take care of the ball. And Bledsoe's in the huddle with him. And apparently his response was, fuck that. (laughs) Which, if you're the $100 million quarterback and you know you're probably leaving town, yeah, just go ahead and just sort of, you know, hey, this is is our shot. Let's actually go for it. And I hear that. Let's lose the Super Bowl trying to win it rather than lose it in overtime on a field goal because we played it safe. Absolutely. Brady talks about his own crises of confidence. That's not something we'd see a lot of during his time as a player. But he was he's he's going, look, you know, had a lot of ups and downs. My my confidence was up, my confidence was down. 
and he makes him a couple big completions and then john madden goes oh i i kind of like now what the patriots are doing shut up john madden <laughs> shut up or as drew bledsoe would say fuck that you know what i'm saying <laughs> and but on the flip side as much as i'm hating john madden i'm loving pat summerall the whole time and it's a shame because uh, doesn't pat summerall oh is he the guy who goes with jim nance eventually is it nance and summerall no i think summerall i think this is the very end of his career. I think who he partners away a few years later? Who partners with Nance and then gets replaced by Romo? Who's that? Uh, it was the Giants. It was a Giants quarterback. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. But I, I love. Sorry, go ahead, Hermes. No, no, I'm 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 like Giants quarterback. That doesn't even ring a friggin' bell. Yeah, right now. I, I, it's, it's, it's like the '80s. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, because I, I like that pairing too. And though, though I do understand why Romo's brought on, but yeah. Uh, I'm just going to look that up in a second here. So I'll just type that in. Jim Nance, there we are. Um, so, but I, I love Pete Pat Summerall. And it all comes down to this. And there's this moment where, <laughs> again, it's like Adam Vinatieri's going, oh, I never really realized. Yeah, if this, <laughs> if this happens, I'm going to have to do something. And so he comes down to a kick, and the kick is good. And um, I remember just feeling, you know, as much as I felt it was taken away from us, I did feel hope in the fact they were going for it. And the kicks up, it's good. And I'm the one guy celebrating out of 25. <laughs> this is this is, this is is my nirvana. I am, what year is this? 2002. I'm 22 years old. Loving life. Uh, and there we are. And uh, Robert Kraft says, Faith, spirituality, and freedom are the cornerstone of our country. Tonight, we are all patriots. And tonight... The Patriots are world champions. It's a good little speech. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good little speech. Anytime you can use the collective pronouns like our and we, that's always good. And they were the underdog. We all got to be that, the, the underdog who beat the great, the, the great, you know, um, the, the great favorite. Who doesn't want to be part of that narrative, as Hermie said earlier? Um, and so as a result, you know, they wouldn't have us for long. But for now, everybody's really happy being 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 a Patriot. And Bledsoe and Brady are caught together at midfield. And I'll tell you what, Bledsoe looks at Brady and goes, you're the man. That's a pretty class act, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Probably the only time I've gotten emotional is too strong of a word. But I think uh, I, I think it, it got me. Go, oh, I was like, ooh, there's a little bit of something stirring there. Yeah. So I guess such is. Uh, I, I was really impressed with. Uh, there we go. Um, oh, I've lost my spot. Where are we at here? So um, Tom Brady and Belichick embrace, and I'm like, think about that decision earlier in the year where he sat there and everyone said, "We assume he's coming. We assume it's going to go back to Drew," and he went, "Nope, I'm making the football decisions, and this is what we're doing. We're doing. Um, we're staying with Tom." And, you know, we have a flashback to Cincinnati and how it didn't go right there. It pays off huge. Uh, we get the famous gif of Tom Grady, Tom Grady, Tom Brady putting <laughs> his hands on his head as the confetti falls. And um, Brady calls it pretty fucking amazing. But he admits he didn't party that night. But he tells a great story about being in a limo with uh, Bill Belichick the next day who hasn't gone to bed from the night before, still liquored up, going Tom, you had a pretty good year. 
<laughs> which in Bill Belichick language is uh, is 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 well done. Is well done. <laughs> Closest to a compliment, I think he says. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about as close as it gets. Um, we go to the parade. Oh, does anybody want to talk about about the Kansas City parade? Do we, do, we, do you want to do that? Uh, what I mean, what would you say about the parade? <laughs> what I say about the parade? <laughs> yeah. Oh, on behalf of the rest of the world, I wish y'all could get into big groups about people shooting each other. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. That's it. That's it. Whatever you guys have to do. I mean, that's asking a lot. I mean, <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? <laughs> We're pretty stressed out over here. Maybe. <laughs> Jeez. I, I don't know if I speak for everybody, but it's pretty stressful these days. <laughs> Jeez. Um. Yeah. It's just we're just sitting there going. Just please stop shooting each other, please, please. So yeah, that's what that's what I'll say about the about the uh, about the parade. Um, I, I will I will say about the Patriots parade. They they showed a clip of the Patriots parade, and I'm still are you here? Say, yeah. Are you are you are no, you on I'm, the parade route? I'm not. So again, I'm in I'm in middle school. Yeah. Um, I begged my parents. I was like, please let me go to the parade. Please let me go to the parade. They're like, it's a school day. You're not going. What? Like, but but if the Red Sox ever win, no matter what day it is, we'll go. I oh you got lucky there. <laughs> I think any parents parents, if you're out there, here we go. I'm gonna look at the camera. You can't see me, but I'm gonna look at the camera anyway. I'm gonna say if you're gonna take my kid to the Super Bowl party on a Sunday night, a school night, if you're gonna do that, the kid gets to go to the parade. That's that, that's that's <laughs> That's the deal. They don't get to stay for the game and not get the celebration if they want to go. <laughs> Jeez. Have you ever been to any of the parades? Yeah, I've gone to not Patriots. I've gone to three Red Sox parades. Okay, there we go. All right. Yeah. Boston has been spoiled, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there we are. Um, Teddy Bruski says, Someone came up to him and said, my God, my, my grandfather can told me he can die a happy man now, um, which is a powerful statement. People who are hanging on. I know I know Leaf fans in, in ice hockey, you know, who've been waiting since 1967 for a championship and going, you know, if, if they were never born at that point. I mean, those people are in their 50s. I mean, people are going, I just want to see I just want to see the Leafs win in my lifetime. And uh, yeah, I don't know what happens if you don't, but uh there's that. And we get the story about how Tom Brady gets his option picked up. He's going to be a millionaire. He tells Nugent, hey, Nugent, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> and Brady blows up. He's on Letterman. He's on Saturday Night Live. And at this point, I'm going, I really look forward to this episode ending. And next episode, we can start with season number you know, <laughs> next season. And instead, we jump to two years later. <laughs> you have a musical montage with Black Betty. Yeah, yeah. And we go to Super Bowl 38 versus Carolina, and I'm like, we just skipped the entire second Super Bowl. That second Super Bowl is a really exciting Super Bowl. That fourth quarter, they go punch, counter punch, and change the lead about three or four times. Yeah. And yeah. again, you had, you had Ricky Prohl making the, the game-tying touchdown again like he did for the Rams. Shut up. Was it the same guy? Yeah, it was. Yeah. That might have been a really that would have been a fun narrative. Have Ricky Pearl yeah. sit down, have him talk yeah. about it. Yeah, getting screwed by Tom Brady twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely where my uh, memory also like fades a little bit with it. Because again, I'm not a Patriot fan, so I'm just remembering yet, a lot of yet, the yet. <laughs> no, no. To this day, I will stand by and I will. I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this for like episode five when you're like, here we go. <laughs> 
audience. <laughs> so, so I can give credit where it's due, but fuck them during this these years specifically because of you know my experience. Anyways, um, it's just it, I don't know. It's just one of those things that um, that I wish to your point, yeah, was a little more filled in for someone like me who's not a Patriot fan who wasn't following along. What was it like from the outside watching the Patriots rise up and go from the, oh, this, the, this cute little underdog team to all of a sudden becoming the evil empire? What what, what was that like? Did, did it, I don't know how close your fandom was at certain points, but was there a point where you were becoming, hey, wait a minute, they're not going away? I I think it was during uh, maybe during the the second and like third time frame area where they. Because they weren't necessarily winning um, uh, the Super Bowl itself, but they were fucking good yeah. every single season. And it depend like it depends, I guess, on your team. But my again, Denver Broncos. It seemed like every single time it was the make or break. It was always the fucking Patriots who would give us our losses at the pivotal points, and then it was like a domino effect. From it was like the Patriots or the Colts for the longest time, and the Patriots for I mean, and yeah, and when you can blame the quarterback you do and so it was just like tom brady was this pretty boy fixation or like the focal point rather of this hatred that it was just so easy and so maybe and maybe that's why this documentary is framed the way it is because more people most people were on that side of the fence maybe that's why they frame it that way tell me you were a fan when uh when tim tebow was the quarterback of the broncos I was. Oh, I, I remember when they won that playoff game going, we get, we get, we get Tim Tebow in the AFC championship. Are you Absolute. serious? Are you serious? Absolute. Was it the divisional? Or was it the championship? I forget, but I was like, we, we get Tim Tebow. This is fantastic. If I remember correctly, I want to say he did the first, he did, he, it was the last season game to get into the playoffs and he did the first playoff game as well yeah. and both of them were just so damn close like by the yeah. down to the fourth quarter and that's when i was all about i was like you know what i don't care what anybody says i'm i'm for tebow if he's gonna do oh. it finally after this five six years in a row yeah. like i'll i'll support tebow and then manny comes and says sit, sit down son <laughs> i think we put a 50 burger up against you guys that year it was it was it was a blowout i remember that part jeez yeah. Yeah. he threw a yeah. lot of picks if memory serves um yeah. So, uh, Patriots win. It skipped over, but hey, another Super Bowl. Belichick's a football genius. Brady's being compared to Joe Montana. And someone tells Brewski, hey, we won two out of three. If we win three out of four, that's a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we <laughs> let's just jump all the way to Super Bowl 39 against Philadelphia. And... Uh, Belichick says, hey, let's spend less time just yapping at these guys and more time doing our job. And they do win their third out of four. And they talk about the change now. Because when you win one, it's euphoric. When you win after, when you're at this stage now, it's not euphoria. It's just a relief. You didn't let the side down. You did what you were supposed to do. Which I think Jordan talked a lot about this feeling during the last dance and that idea that that's expected and that's the only acceptable outcome now. Uh, which yeah. I think is what we see here. Definitely. Uh, and then we jump, because this episode's not ending, to the 2006 divisional playoff against Denver, where they lose 27-13. They outgain Denver um, 420 yards to 286 yards. Like, they should have beaten Denver this year. Do you remember this game? I do. Yeah. I, def- 
<laughs> okay, you remember this game. Here's the game. Who was the quarterback? For Denver? Yep. Um oh, what was his name? He was he he was with them for gosh, he was with them four or five years prior to Tebow. Oh fuck, what was his name? Again, I'm sorry, guys. You no, guys are the stat. No, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Oh, Ryan, do you know this by any chance? Is it Jake Plummer? It's Jake Plummer. Well okay. done. <laughs> Plummer. Yeah, 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I lived in Phoenix, Jake Plummer was the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and he was dreadful. But uh, and but the Patriots had five turnovers that game. Brady threw for 341 yards, but he did throw two picks. So there we are. But team also fumbled three times. But Scott Pioli says... This is the bit where he's starting to go, is this the end? And he says, when you get to that point, you'll resort to anything to avoid that feeling. And they give us this great shot of, like, we're behind a camera with a little grid, the little box and the, and the, and the, and the cross in the middle, as though we're filming something. And, it, and we're asked, does this tarnish everything or not? And we cut, and that's the end of episode three giving the hint of Spygate. But we're at halftime. So at halftime, we got some we got some awards to give out. Who's getting the game ball? Who is the MVP of this episode? Uh, Ryan. Um, I'd probably go maybe uh, Teddy Bruschi. Teddy Bruschi? Yeah. His, his one line about being the Patriot Way starting right there with Bledsoe. Hermes. Uh, I want to go with Brady because it's it's a nice it's a nice uh, story. I mean, again, give credit where it's due. It's nice to see him as like that plucky underdog, and then see him like find his stride. I got to give it to Brady. I went with Drew Bledsoe. I think the guy was an absolute class act in this episode, both in the archival footage and in the studio. So my, my, my vote went to Drew. Who fumbled the ball? Parcells. Parcells. He comes off badly yeah. in this. You're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, I, I can't disagree. Yeah, I got to split mine. I got two. Tony Kornheiser for getting it wrong again. <laughs> and the producers for not giving Drew's story an end arc. He just disappears. So he has the moment where he says, you're the man. And they don't mention he goes to, is it Dallas or Buffalo? I think he goes to uh, Dallas first, is it? He goes to Buffalo first. Buffalo first? Yes. Okay, Buffalo. Yeah. And they don't mention that. The idea that he goes off and he's been able to find, they just, they just, he disappears. He retires. He just goes into the, into the ether. Or he stay, to, to, to the viewer, he's still standing there backing up Tom Brady because they never actually sort of close the loop on that one. Highlight of the night. Best moment, best story of the episode. Uh, for me, I think uh, Ty Law describing the interception. He said it was one of the easiest water. ones he ever had. Yeah. 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 You know, he said, uh, you're bullshitting me with that throw. You're not throwing it here. Yeah. <laughs> Hermes. Um, again, I'm blurring them together. I mean, I, I want to, again, I just, I, I looked highly on uh, Brady just, I mean, as a, as like an athlete. So I would say, yeah, when he was hitting that stride and he's like, oh, and when he like gains the stardom, if you want, or the limelight, if you will, um, if that's like a specific scene. No, or whatever. Great, yeah. Yeah. The rise of Tom Brady into pop culture. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm going to go with Lawyer Malloy getting Bill Belichick's room. It seemed like it was the most petty thing. Like, you're at the Super Bowl. Just shut up. Shut up and play the game. But Belichick's like, have my room. There. Now, now shut up and play the game. Omaha, Omaha. Best soundbite. 
Uh, I think it's the Scott Pioli, the quote about winning is instead of euphoria, it's just you know relief, and when you lose, it's just dark. Yeah. And for me, even as even as a Patriots fan, describing it to other fans at the time, like during this whole dynasty, that's how you describe it. Like it's not fun to win because oh. we expect to win every single year. After that second one, there's only <laughs> one, yeah, that's it. There's no yeah. no other story has satisfaction. Yeah. 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 No, I was I was uh it was between that or the um you know, you won what is it, two out of three and or yeah. three out of four, it's a dynasty. I mean, I, I think yeah, just so I'm not like piggybacking off of Ryan this entire episode. I, I oh, want to go with Because you, you hate to do that, wouldn't you? <laughs> just because, you know, uh, everybody's got their voice. And I don't want to steal Ryan's thunder here. No, no. You want to let people have their material. The, the, <laughs> uh, you, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure. The pressure that puts on everybody and just the the, the athletic pressure the 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 job scope of it, if you will, like, yeah. I think that was definitely one of those Omaha moments for sure. I'm gonna piggyback off Ryan. I got when you win instead of euphoria, it's just relief. I think it explains at least where the narrative wants it to go for the next episode. Maybe the rest of the run. Uh, yeah, so that's that's it. So this is the this is probably the end of the happy times. We're about to take the the, the, the dark turn here. So come back out for the second half. We're talking Spygate, and we meet. Who's this guy? Patrick Aramini, New Jersey State Police. And he used to work undercover. A lot of stuff with the mob, it's it's suggested. And he has a hard time being undercover, though, because the biggest issue he has is in betraying people. Even though he's undercover, he has a hard time with that. So he gets himself a gig. He can choose his spot, and he wants to work at the Meadowlands, which, despite being in New Jersey, is the home of the New York Jets and the New york giants as well while we're at it well i guess their new one is i don't know if the old giant stadium was it in new jersey or was it in new york new jersey okay so new york well the sorry the new the nfl has long made playing for new york a lie and they're actually in new jersey <laughs> i guess it's just better for marketing um but he's been mayor of the meadowlands and he had no issue in 35 years until spygate and this is when a Patriots assistant is caught shooting footage of jet signals. And it shows us more footage as though we're the ones shooting it. But we go eight months earlier. Patriots versus Colts, 38-34 in the AFC Championship. And there's a Brady pick, and the Colts are going to the Super Bowl. But with every dark cloud, folks, there's a silver lining. And in this episode, that silver lining was, to my count, this is our first shot of Bill Belichick in his hoodie with the arms cut off. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the earliest version I could find of this. <laughs> Brady says whoever won that game was likely going to win the Super Bowl. And for years, that was the story, wasn't it? It really did feel that way. The real Super Bowl was the AFC championship. It felt like. Especially that year, they had to play the Bears. It was an easy win. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, Manning's one ring he got with the Colts. So, which is a remarkable stat. Um. So, and there's another new face in the footage, and for the first time, we meet Josh McDaniels. Until very recently, the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> What's your take on on Josh McDaniels, uh, Ryan? Uh, I always liked him in New England. Uh, his early days. Every time he leaves, he gets into some sort of trouble. More things come out. His players start talking what he what was actually going on. And it's like, okay, he's not head coach material at all. <laughs> Should he just stuck around and got given the big job when 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 Belichick left? Uh, probably, but maybe it's better for the Patriots that that didn't happen. I'm a believer. 
Some people believe in Harvey Dent. I believe in Josh McDaniels. I just believe that maybe Josh McDaniels shouldn't be the big boss. Maybe maybe OC's his best spot. Maybe. Right. Or maybe right. there's something magical about, about Josh McDaniels in Foxborough. Maybe there's something about that. Yeah. I mean, he's had a lucky, you know, his success, he's had Tom Brady as his quarterback. Yeah. But in the same breath, I mean, you know, do, do the Patriots win those three later Super Bowls without Josh McDaniels? Because they were kind of... There was a decade in this dynasty where they're kind of just coming real close, but not doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, we also get our first appearance of I've got him in my program as douchey Steve Belichick. (laughs) Bill's kid walking beside him. He loses hair very quickly. And uh, they talk about needing an alpha offensive player. And we meet Randy Moss and he gets the pan intro where we come over to him. Randy Moss is amazing in this episode. <laughs> um, we get a great story about how Bill Belichick phoned him. He was going into a club. It's suggested he's going to a club on like a Sunday morning or something like that. It's, 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 it's some morning. It's not evening. And he's told, get yourself to New England if you want to be a Patriot. He orders 12 Coronas and shouts, I'm going to be a Patriot. And the Spygate game is Randy Moss's first game. <laughs> Uh, Randy gets that we're a movie podcast because he makes a Forrest Gump reference. And uh, I've got my notes. They should have had Randy Moss narrate the whole series. The guy's charisma. He's charisma on another level. Whatever it is that Belichick got removed, they put into Randy Moss. <laughs> and we see his first touchdown, and it's an easy tee. Just, he just outruns everybody. So we have, the, we have the Bill Belichick defense of the first Super Bowl. We then add to that a maturing elite quarterback in Tom Brady. And then we go, hey, remember that track team we were talking about in St. Louis? What if we gave him some receivers who could do that? Not some, like, the guy. The I remember when Randy Moss got drafted and he fell down the board to Minnesota because of some uh, either legal issues or he was like a problem child when he was in college. And kind of went Randy Moss. And then he went to Oakland and was doing sweet F.A. And then we got him for a prayer. Yeah, it was like nothing. We got it to- felt like, like, you want to talk about like like cheating. Like, this felt like it was the cheat. <laughs> so, yeah. But we go back it's, to, pa- sorry, go ahead. Th- this was the team, too, that I remember, like, yeah. as the Patriots, as the Ville. Like, this was it. Because they were, like you said, they were hitting that stride. And then they were getting everybody. And then there was nothing they couldn't do, especially in the passing game. Like, it was it was a nightmare. We go back to Patrick Aramani, who's alerted by the jet security of a camera. Somehow it gets surrendered, and the Patriot guy wants it back. I'm like, why did you give it up? I don't know why you give this up. <laughs> but Aramani decides, hey, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to mail this to the NFL, and then we're good. They can figure out what to do with it, and it's global news. And then who sits down in the chair in the Apple TV studio? Call me naive. I was not expecting to get Roger Goodell in studio. I was- I was very surprised, too. He does not talk very much at all. No, he's a hard get for something like this. Uh, And he hears about this. He says, Sunday evening, it came across my wire. And then we also meet Robin Glazer, this woman who works for the craft group. And her first day is the Monday after Spygate. And her job is kind of, is she a spin doctor? Is that basically what she's doing here? I think so. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. We go back to Ernie Adams and some B-roll shows us in the background New England, Atlanta. So if you want to believe that the 
NFL is scripted. I could I could buy into it with this. They're planning the New England comeback years, years in advance. But um, Ernie Adams is kind of presented as the father of Spygate in this uh, in this episode. He did not look good. He, no, he does not come off looking good. <laughs> so everyone talks of Ernie Adams for a few years, and then he comes on and says, "I'm not reopening it, guys." And the guys on TV are like, no, we can just talk. He's like, I'm not talking about it. And then he just keep talking. And then he, he does a slight bit where he can't help himself. He does weigh in. And he says, I'm going to take this to the grave. But while I'm here, everybody steals signals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, other teams have filmed the Patriots. And this is the old adage I said to my students where I go, look, when I get pulled over for speeding, I don't tell them, you know, hey, they're all speeding too. Look at them. They're, why'd you pull me out? I got caught. I got caught. I'm dead to rights. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I had a problem with this. Oh, okay. Talk about it. Because, again, I give credit where it's due, A, um, but yeah. I don't know. Like, and I, If there was anything to catch the villain doing, I want to catch them really doing something. Like deflating and, a football. Uh, okay, we can get into that. That wasn't this episode. I don't know what you're talking about. Like tucking but. a football. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just, I don't know. You, like, don't, don't, don't find reasons to make the villain the villain. Like, yeah. let the villain actually be bad. And in this case, like I, like I remember it at the time too. Um, in in high school, like we have hand signal, like every I don't know any team that doesn't have hand signals that you can, you know, go uh, no huddle and then signal from the sideline, whether it's something that the quarterback has on their wrist or whether it's something that whole like the defense would do it all the time. So the fact that you would just like Belichick says later, I don't know if like he says it here or if it's later on. It's like everybody should be looking at each other and everybody is looking at why would you not be doing that and then put two and two together i mean it's competitive sports with hundreds of millions of dollars on the line like why would you not find advantages i mean we saw this with baseball a few years ago i don't know if either of you guys are big baseball fans but the houston astros were done for like not just cheating but they had like a camera in center field and they had like like sensors that like would like vibrate on players arms if a fastball was coming and would tip them off to the uh to the exact thing that was that was occurring um yeah it's it's and, and so houston astros have been but you, you you know what the astros do they win they win <laughs> <laughs> there's a line but was this the line i don't i as a again as a player i don't think so i don't think it was interesting i mean uh, ryan do you want to get in this right now i've always felt spygate was blown way out of proportion i still think that. Okay, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal because <laughs> i'll say this apple tv's telling us this is bad <laughs> apple tv's definitely telling us this is bad well you're, with the way that hearing, they've handled this i mean you're hearing from fans players and i mean i would say every other coach i don't know maybe belichick is just the the bad guy in this scenario but i don't think people are realist it was for first i don't think they'd be arguing for it i really don't like you're saying speeding you know yeah this is the birth of the patriots as the villains though without question um he says uh bill belichick says hey that's all so this is him in the studio that's all in the past i've made my comments on that i don't have anything to add so Apple TV went, all right, let's bring up some archival footage. And he says, hey, those signals are available to anyone sitting up in the press box. And and I was like, I guess he's right. The key question is, do you have the ability to film it? And what does filming and having it permanently 
due to your preparation. Because if I can sit there, look at it, and then relay those signals, the fact that I filmed it, so letter of the law versus spirit of the law, right? Spirit of the law, okay, look, what's the big deal? Everyone's stealing everybody's signals. Letter of the law, it's illegal to film to, to film the other team. So okay. those who would go against it were going big on spirit of the law. So Bill says, hey, I made a mistake. Now, rather than call it cheating, he says he's misinterpreting. I don't believe Bill Belichick for a moment. <laughs> and, it was a Jackie McMull who chimes in and is like, <laughs> Belichick knew knows exactly what he's doing at all times. Yeah, she says, the greatest student of the game in NFL history. You're telling me he didn't know that this was cheating. So um, Robert Kraft says, he, t- he asks Bill, how important is that to us on a scale of one to 100? Bill says one, and I believe him. I believe it is just a one. And he goes, then you're a, sh- you're a real schmuck. <laughs> um, Kraft says how he tried to talk to about defending Bill Belichick. And you do get the idea here that Robert Kraft is a powerful owner within this, this, this group of NFL owners. He's not Jerry Jones, but he's, he ain't that far behind, it feels like. So... Uh, we get uh, Bill Belichick gets um, uh, fined half a million dollars. The team gets a quarter million dollars, and uh, they s- surrender a high draft pick. And it's not really established ever where how high that landed. But I don't know if it was a first round or a second round, or I don't know what it was. I think it was a first round pick, but they also had two first round picks that year anyway, so they, they took the higher one. Okay. And then the tapes were destroyed in house. And Robin, the, the 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 spin doctor we met earlier is walking there's a shot they've obviously made of her recently with her walking down with a hammer it was some good b-roll i appreciated it and then she talks about how she was wearing high heels and dress and was smashing this videotape and this brings roger goodell under fire because like why did you destroy the tapes and the insinuation is you know it's not a, well what else must you have found and why did you destroy it and he's like well clearly look we know it's here we know it's illegal we destroy it so you can't copy it the longer we hang on to it the greater chance this gets out in some capacity i'm okay with it yeah I, I don't remember if it's in in this episode or those other footage i saw but he literally i think he says he's like footage got leaked already a day later after the scandal broke like i'm not gonna have these tapes laying around yeah yeah you're right so uh terry bradshaw then goes off bradshaw calls bill a cheater and Jimmy Johnson's trying to jump in, and we we never get to see in the in the documentary what he says. What I will say is that of that panel, Jimmy Johnson was the only coach on that panel they showed when Bradshaw's going off. And Johnson wants to jump in and say something, and we don't get to hear his side. Because Apple TV's building the narrative, this is the villain cheating Patriots. If Jimmy Johnson says, hang on, I think you're blowing this out of proportion, it lessens the impact of that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he was a two-time winning Super Bowl coach. So there we go. Uh, Belichick gets in front of the press for the first time since Spygate, refuses to say anything. Says, I've already said what I'm going to say about that. And just flat out goes, I ain't answering it, basically. And that's when you get the whole, oh, he's smug. <laughs> he's a smug guy. And then the other shoe drops. And we meet Eric Mangini, former Patriot assistant. I never knew this. And we go back to Patrick Aramini talking about betrayal. Now, I think he's still talking about his time undercover and the betrayal, but they use that and kind of reassign it, this concept of betrayal, now to the Eric Mangini Patriot saga. Yeah. 
And of course, Scott Pioli says, look, when you leave the family, you leave the family. So yeah, they're going, look, there's a sort of unspoken, yeah, we did it. But when you leave, you're not supposed to rat us out because you benefited from it. And if I'm Eric Mangini, I get my job as head coach of the Jets because of the success that I had in New England, which was through these, theoretically, through these means. So if I'm going to reap the rewards of it, I certainly don't bite the hand that fed me. Right. Also, appropriately enough, like I said, once you leave, you leave. I mean, there's been so many coaches who have left Belichick yeah. haven't had success and they've come back. You know, Matt Patricia, Josh McDaniels, they come back because they kept their mouth shut. Yeah, they, they don't they don't do what's happened here, yeah. So we get the first game after Spygate and there's frequency auditors on the field. <laughs> They're here to check to see. And God bless him, Vince Wilfork makes his first appearance in the documentary. And I'm like, I love me some Vince Wilfork. He's one of my he's probably my favorite all time defensive Patriot player. Um ah, he's one of them. Rob, I'm also quite partial to Rob Ninkovich, but still. Um, and we get told that through thick and thin, I think it's Robert Kraft who says this. I might be wrong. Through thick and no, it's Randy Moss. Through thick and thin, we're family here. Moss is, I think he's, he's, he's is it a story that Robert Kraft told him? I think that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, he was talk, saying what Robert Kraft had said. And it seems to resonate with Moss, and the Patriots blow away the Chargers 31 to 7. And we get the shot from back in the locker room after the game and someone asks it might be brewski goes how do we feel about playing for bill belichick and they all cheer and rally around him and that that seems to be it and this is where the patriots become villains not just because you caught them cheating not just because belichick won't answer the questions because then you still can't beat them and they run up the score yeah. And uh is it is it Randy Moss who goes, I'm a bad motherfucker too, man? <laughs> yeah. What a yep. great line. And Moss is I mean, Brady's throwing up passes that Moss is in double coverage and Moss is still bringing him down. Uh Dante Stallworth gets his first appearance, as does Rodney Harrison, and we get the the song Another One Bites the Dust by Queen as they just rack up the wins. And then we start hearing, is this an undefeated season? Ten and oh. 12 and 0 14 and 0 what are your memories of this season run uh so i was working at the stadium this year oh really <laughs> yeah yeah uh i remember after week three when my friends was like hey we're three and oh 16 and oh here we come and i was like it's never gonna happen 16, like, it's never a, gonna happen a perfect season's only been done once yeah. by the 72 dolphins yeah and yeah. that was a 14 game season yes it was, it was two playoff games yeah uh but as the weeks went by, it was just like, yeah, this is amazing. I think by the end, I was like, yeah, we can't be stopped. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. And we're talking to a friend. I was working at the car factory. I was in on a Sunday with him, and we were sitting there having a coffee. And I'm trying to explain to him, like, this is a big deal. This has never happened in, like, 20 years, 25 years. And definitely not in this era of pro sports under the microscope pro sports now lives under. This is going to be huge. And that's probably around, I don't know, probably around, I don't know, eight, nine and oh at this point. And then they start, they continue their, 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 their march. And, uh, they skip them going 16 and oh, which is interesting. Cause do you remember who the team was they beat to go 16 and oh? 
It's the New York football Giants. It's the New York Giants, and it was a hard game. Like, they were running yes. the score on everybody, and that Giants game yeah. was hard. And I remember yeah. sitting there going, as long as we avoid the Giants, I feel okay. Because they were they were like the they were a five seed or a six seed. They'd have to win three games all on the road just to make it to the Super Bowl. That ain't happening. And then yeah. – uh, sorry, go ahead. I think watching that – Watching that 16th game, I remember being like, Tom Brady was going for the touchdown record. Randy Moss is going for the touchdown record. And I felt like that first half of the game, I was like, okay, you guys are going for the record. Just go for the win. Just go for the win. win. Which they got both. Because that that game did huge numbers. I remember even my stepdad, who wasn't the biggest NFL fan, was watching. And he, you know, if I was into one team, he was into the other. It was just our lot in life. And uh, yeah, and I thought for sure we, we weren't winning that one. And they, and they pulled it out, but I remember going, ooh, that was – it's been real easy all year long. And you got the idea that Tom maybe wasn't fully healthy at that point as well, too. Right. He's starting to slow down. And Robert Kraft says, I thought it was God's hand at work. And then he said, then I realized it was the devil's hand. And Tom is in a cast. And we get our first mention of a talk. It, it was archival footage. It wasn't a new one. And it's somebody saying Tom Brady might be the greatest quarterback of all time. And it was the first time you heard that. And he was still a fairly young pup. He's only been around for, I don't know, seven, eight years at this point. And uh, there's an accusation the Patriots vetoed the final Rams walkthrough, which I believe is in the Boston Herald. Yeah. And there's a great line by Jonathan Kraft saying, and we'd have owned that paper if that paper had been worth owning. (laughs) Because they have to retract it. There was no truth to it, but it didn't matter. That made a giant splash and just bought into that idea. Which there there are still Rams to this day who believe that report. Yeah, yeah. Marshall Falk is still bitter about that and thinks that actually happened. And then we go to Super Bowl 42, and now the Patriots are kind of the Rams. They are the – how can the Patriots not win this? It's not a matter of if they win. It's by how much. And we get the first time – I believe in the series, an opposing player sits down on the stool in the studio. And it's Michael Strahan. Who's, I mean, I don't know. I live over here. I never saw Kelly and Michael or Michael and Kelly or whatever it was. He's an engaging enough personality, though, isn't he? Yeah. I think he does, like, Good Morning America now. He does all the I don't the pregame for Fox. Yeah. Um. He says, let's kick the devil's ass. And there's opera music over a montage of Tom Brady getting hit. This is fantastic. I remember this game more than probably any game, too. (sighs) I know exactly where I am here. Yep. I'm at university. It's my first year. I'm at a my, my 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 uni is doing a Super Bowl party, and it's being sponsored by a local brewery who's given their beer away for pennies. And Red Bull, who's giving their stuff away for free. And so I went home depressed, drunk, and (laughs) hyper. (laughs) Which didn't equate to a lot of sleep on my part. Um, For me, it was similar, too. It was my first year of college. And uh, I was going to college in Connecticut, but closer to New York City. Uh, so most people who went to the school are from New Jersey, New York. They're all Giants fans. Plus, every neutral is going for the Giants. Every exactly, neutral is yeah. going for the Giants. Because yeah. the, the Patriots are the cheaters, right? And they're in the Super Bowl again. Doesn't that just prove they're just cheating and we haven't caught them again? Plus, they videotaped the Rams. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. And it's, oh, so it, it's it's hard news. And I'm still wearing my, you know, I'm there. I'm wearing my Patriots jersey. Oh, it was rough. And... um. 
we get told by Strahan, sacking Tom Brady is like a Christmas gift. Not because he's cuddly and soft, which he is, but because I can open it over and over again and not get sick of it. It's a great line. Um, they're down late and begin charging. And it's all Brady and Moss, who'd been nothing. I remember this game going, something's wrong with Brady, because he was just, he was throwing at people's feet all day. He, he wasn't getting any time in the pocket. He hadn't quite mastered that Tom Brady 1.8 seconds to release. They hadn't figured that part of his game out yet. And so, but Moss says, you get that look, and every wide receiver knows the look I'm talking about. And when you get that look, you know it's you. And they march down the field, and they score with 2.42 left, and it's just one more stop till perfection. And despite the fact I know how this ends, I am still willing with every fiber in my being that there's an alternate ending and they're able to pull this off. (laughs) I watched the Eli scramble on the helmet catch. I watched everybody but Eli Manning. I will say this. There is so much holding on this play. <laughs> there is so much holding on this play. <laughs> Everyone talks. The helmet, sure. There should have been four flags for holding by for four different linemen. It is ridiculous. Just saying. You want to say it's scripted? What's a better ending than the uh, <laughs> than the villain going down on the last round? Uh, David Tyree with, with an all time helmet catch. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what your feelings are on this. I looked at this again, um, Ryan, as he came down with the ball. If whatever Patriot players with him doesn't isn't landing underneath him, that ball bounces when his head hits the turf and bounces out. If the Patriots player isn't there to actually cushion his fall, it gives him a delay of enough time to control his head and bring the ball back. Oh, I'm I'm still, I still don't know how this catch got made. Yeah, I think it was I think it was Rodney Harrison on that. Oh, I think he's he's trying to knock it loose, but if he gets yeah. away from it and it, that ball just hits the ground as it comes, hits down, the ground, he jars loose. There's no way he holds on to it. There's no yeah. way it slows it. So he's almost like he lands in like three in three different and, and lessening impacts. Yeah, and one clip they didn't show on that final drive was Asante Samuel had an interception that he dropped. Yeah, that was the game right there. That one still haunts me too. <laughs> oh. That was uh, like it was destiny. The flip from- side, Hermes, were you watching this game? Do you remember this game? And I remember this catch more oh. than anything else. I, I like, uh, and the replays for it, and it was so sweet. I am so dis- sweet. I am despondent at this point. <laughs> and there was a touchdown to Plaxico Burris, because of course there was, with 10 seconds left. And there's one more throw. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, and, me neither. I blocked it out. I think. And Randy Moss gets a finger on it. Now, it's tipped before it gets to him, but he got his finger on it, and it, ha- it haunts him to this day. Does Moss ever win a, a Super Bowl? I don't think he does. He does not. No nope. Wow. And this, his first year in New England. Yeah. It's his best season in New England, and it's also yeah. the best team he ever plays on. And, uh, yeah, and the Giants win. And, uh, whoo, this is hard. And they say we get on the uh, on the coach on the bus, and there's silence, but there is no sleep. And Dante Stallworth, Jonathan Kraft, Tom Brady, Robert Kraft, all chip in. Even Robert Kraft is going, man. Tom puts this all on himself. 
Tom takes this too hard. I think Tom makes us feel, I want the quarterback on my team to feel this way. Even, even 20 years later, I want him to feel this way. Yeah. There's nothing worse for me as a fan than when you see the players kind of slough it off. I want my guy to be wrecked for weeks because I'm wrecked for weeks. Take it seriously. You know? Yeah. Because otherwise, what's the point? If we're not all committing to the parts we play, then why am I spending the money? Why am I investing my time and my energy? At least yeah. do your part to make me go for the time being. This is the most important thing in your life. Thousand. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing worse waking up after a big loss than you see. They're all like shaking hands and they're hugging and they're all big smiles and you did well. Pat, I don't want that. I want my guys broken. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I was taking a a sports journalism class a few years later and uh, we had a Patriots beat writer talking to us and she had said like the the quietest, most like awkward locker room ever was after Super Bowl 42. She said it was just that shock in the air. Nobody was speaking. That's the first time you've experienced the failure all year. Yeah, yeah. After running up the score like it was, oh, you're human. Jeez. And the last word went to Michael Strahan. The devil didn't win, but the devil wasn't done. <laughs> and there we go. So um, here's my thoughts as we get the, the, the post game, and we're, we're almost out of here. Um. Does the 18-0 run, should, should that put to bed any claims of any advantages assumed by cheating? I think so, because you won a lot of games that year. Because if it was an advantage, when you took that advantage away, shouldn't you have been able to beat us? And not only that, maybe just not lose by 35 points every step of the way? Exactly. You lost the big game, which hurts, but yeah. you won 18 in a row. <laughs> 18 in a row. Under the biggest microscope there probably ever had been in NFL history, you won 18 straight. That, 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 that that's, that's my thought. If it was an advantage, shouldn't we be worse when you take it away? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just thought I'd say that. Um, who's getting the game ball this episode? I got to go with Randy Moss. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, good shout, Randy Moss. Yeah, it's three for Randy Moss. <laughs> Randy Moss is a breath of fresh air in this in this dock. I was sitting there going, "This is really because Tom's doing a good job." Tom's my steady. I don't know if I've gone Tom yet. Tom's my steady guy, but Randy comes in and kind of goes like, "I just want to hang out with Randy." I mean, big, big surprise, but I just want to hang out with Randy Moss. I want to, I, I want to do that. It seems like it'd be a lot of fun. I'd probably be be done way before he would. He, he, you know, he's got probably party stamina that I can't even fathom, but. <laughs> Who fumbled the ball? Who came off badly this episode? Probably it's either Belichick, probably Belichick and Ernie Adams. <laughs> Ernie Adams, you're not wrong there. <laughs> Hermes. I was leaning towards I was leaning towards uh Belichick just because um again I agree with him, but I think a lot of his approach is maybe like you said, arrogant in a way or yeah. I'm going to go with Belichick, and I'm going to go with Eric Mangini. Eric Mangini's the guy where, like, you know the teacher uses the same test every year, so you guys all, like, get the previous test and just study off of them. And Eric Mangini's the guy who goes, I studied off this test, miss, and ruins it for everybody. (laughs) Oh, no loyalty. That's a true. That happened to me in real life, so there we go. <laughs> we had our own Eric Mangini in, in, in the year group. Uh, oh, I don't, oh, I don't have anything written down here. Highlight of a night. What's the best moment? What's the best story? Now, best is not to mean positive, just the most powerful or whatever it is that you deem best for whatever reason. Ryan. 
Uh, I think the story with the uh, the hammer, finding the hammer and destroying the tapes. <laughs> Hermes. I mean, I, I it's it's positive for me. I got to go with uh, hell of a catch. Loss. I mean, I mean oh, God okay. damn, that was a hell of a catch. No, it was. It was yeah. no, no, that, no. Loss and the, uh, that whole game. I remember it so distinctly. And and then of course the closing. I mean, th- that whole that whole what was it like the last ten minutes where they lose because of like almost divine intervention, and then that closing statement of but the devil wasn't done. Yeah. Was, it's again superior audience superiority now is is quite a quite a moment. I'm gonna go with the run. Another one bites the dust and just the run, the slew. Hey, it's just Patriots winning all the time and scoring touchdowns. <laughs> Randy Moss catching a bunch of touchdowns. Who doesn't want to see that? Uh besides Hermes. Uh so there we go. Uh question for Ryan. Yes. Is this the hardest Super Bowl loss? <sighs> It's hard because I thought it was, and then when you get to the next loss, I feel like that's even harder. Well, come back. Well, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I went yeah. surely not twice. Surely yeah. not twice. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I got a story for that one too. Um, Omaha, Omaha, best soundbite. Right. Mine's coming from Teddy Bruschi when they were winning, and he said, uh, "We're beating people's ass so bad that we're the bad guys." Sort of liked it though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Hermes. I mean, I I said it in the previous as as part of uh, a previous highlight. I mean that final that final statement of the devil wasn't done. I I wish it was. I wish they were <laughs> at this point. <laughs> uh, my, mine's going to the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. I'm going Randy Moss. You know what? I'm a bad motherfucker too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great one. Yeah. I just I just ah. Oh! Oh, I got a story to share when 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 his time ends because oh my god, it it, it ruined me. Um, I've got one one I want to do this one only at the end of a double run. I've got this one called I don't know if it's check your programs or declaring as eligible. Who's the most surprising guest they got in studio this 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 double episode? Uh, for sure, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. Well, like I said, he never talks to anybody. Ooh. Uh, I mean, bon Jovi was a previous one. That was the one that stood out it, to me. You can do, you can do it. Yeah, for for, for both of yeah, these episodes, I would, I would go. Uh, yeah, I would go Bon Jovi because it was it was quick. It was short. I mean, in the first two, it was Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Uh, Bill Burr, Burr would have my vote for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one's definitely uh, Bon Jovi. So I'm gonna go with. Okay, I was torn between Bon Jovi and someone else. Actually, Goodell as well. So you've taken the other two. So I can say Bill Parcells. I did not think Parcells was gonna show up and talk about how great the guy who replaced him did with the job that he kind of talked himself out of. I did not think he would show up. And if I'm being honest, he called it pretty straight. He didn't try and make, make nice. There's still some bitterness there. I was, yeah. I was quite surprised. Uh, years ago, ESPN did a documentary called The Two Bills, and they sat down with Belichick and Parcells together. What, in the same they room? Both, yeah, in the same room. They made nice to talk about their Giants days or their Jets days. Yeah, yeah. because don't Parcells and Bledsoe team back up in Dallas? They do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. So, um. Okay, so that's kind of where where we're at. I, I don't remember where we're going to next, but I guess it's the assumption the Patriots keep on rolling. Oh, hang on, it's the it's the. I know Aaron Hernandez is coming up next week, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. So Gronk, we get Gronk, but we also get Aaron Hernandez. So <laughs> there's a there's a whole lot there. So two episodes, two weeks in, we all still feeling good. 
I'm not feeling as good. This is getting dark. <laughs> oh, it's gonna get to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, this is true. No, but the, the time I, of the I, happy, optimistic patriots are definitely over. Yeah, I always forgot how they rushed through like those, you know, Super Bowls two and three. Actually, if, that we won. If I want to go, who fumbled the ball? I'm going to go the pacing of this series to a degree because they skipped what should have been. And I maybe you don't want to make it twelve episodes, but may, maybe you do because. Those are stories worth telling, aren't there? It's just like people just want to see them fail. Let's just yeah. let's just get the spy gate. Can we get the spy gate? Can we do that? <laughs> and one way I kind of understand it because there's so many documentaries that are all about just the Patriots' success. This is more like we're coming to the dark side of the Patriots. Warts and all. I I I see both sides of it though. I I agree 100 percent, Ian. That if it was paced a little differently, especially in like the middle of the, I mean. Are we calling like all six the dynasty? Is that what we're? I assume would be. Yeah, it's kind of what they're going. Yeah, it's it's one. Okay. It's not two dynasties. It is one dynasty with a yeah, bit of a lull in the middle. I would say the lull in the middle would have been a much better spot. You could have even done Spygate. You know, towards like yeah. the last ten, twenty, whatever, fifteen minutes of episode four or something like that, and you could have stretched out those glory like the one, two, and three. Come on, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Sorry, Ryan, will you say something, buddy? No, no. Okay. So I guess I guess that's a good place to sort of put a pin in it. Uh, why not go ahead? If it's your, hey, if you're just checking out the, 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 the Dissecting a Dynasty, that's easy to say at this time of night, why not go ahead and check out the other stuff we got going on over at Best Film Ever. Ryan and Hermes are both uh, patrons of the podcast. Ergo, the invitation, and I'm very thankful that they have said yes. Ryan's going to big-time us next week, we've decided, when he, when, the, when, the, when the fame gets, when he becomes the, the breakout star of the series. I'm getting too big for this. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but, but with that in mind, uh, why not check us out, all the stuff we got over at at best one for pod also on the twitter at best film ever pod all the other stuff i suppose but that's where you can hit the best version of how to engage with us let us know how you felt let us know what was hey what was your best halftime show was this the most painful patriots loss was it really cheating hit all those sort of thoughts let us know where you stand but i guess until next time i'm gonna wrap this sucker up and say for best film ever i've been ian i'm ryan I've been Hermes. And Ryan, if you'd help me out again one more time, I guess we'll catch you on the flippity flap. Flippity flip flop. Nice. Bad motherfucker too now.